Abraham Lincoln, probably the best Republican there is, did not think too highly of the Mormons. He ran on a platform that uh, called polygamy and slavery the twin barbarisms of America. The Republican Party's come a long way <laughs> and uh, certainly is a lot different than it was with Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, their their stance on slavery has changed quite a bit. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> Sorry, it was a little too much. <laughs> Yeah, this, we are rusty. This is going to be so hard to edit. Honestly, I say we. We. I honestly think that on? we need to stop this, this and just start from the beginning. Hi, I'm Daniel, and I'm the oldest. I'm James, and I'm the second oldest. I'm Andrew, and I'm the third oldest. We We're brothers. brothers, and this is Mormon Raised, a sibling podcast. Today's episode is called The Mormon Majority. <laughs> Get it? Like silent majority? Like the Republicans? Because Mormons are all Republicans? We got it. <laughs> we got it. I recently watched Mrs. America on Hulu. It's a newish show that I thought was really good. And it show it, the, the show follows Phyllis Scafferty. Scaffley. Why, how do you say her that? name? Why is it so hard to say? There's a lot of consonant. Con, uh, what is the word? You've all misspelled. How do you say her last name correctly? Mm. I believe how you watched the show. How did they pronounce it in the show? Phyllis. <laughs> Schlafly. Phyllis Schlafly. 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 Phyllis Schlafly. Phyllis Schlafly. What Phyllis an ugly name. Schlafly. <laughs> Phyllis Schlafly. I think you could just call her Shaftly. It's okay. <laughs> the show follows Phyllis Schlafly. <laughs> Still can't do it. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> Shaftly. <laughs> Schlafly. The show follows Phyllis Schlafly, and it shows how she used the Mormon congregations and networks to really propel her opposition to the equal rights movement, and how the church itself came out and told the members to oppose the equal rights equal rights amendment. Um, what's interesting is I I actually remember my seminary teacher back in high school, and he would t- he told us how. This was a horrible amendment that would get rid of gendered restrooms and a bunch of other like real lies and propaganda spread by Phyllis and talked about on the show. It's amazing how they still say that. And that's like the the, the right. gendered restrooms and Mormons. They're very they feel Ooh. very strongly about their restrooms. You know, I did a report on Phyllis in um, AP US history in high school. We had to pick out, there was like a whole bunch of leaders from that era and we had to pick one to do a report on. And mom told me to pick this one because it was like mom's hero. And at the end of the report, my teacher, Mr. Armstrong, came up to me and actually he sent me this nice note afterwards saying that in all of his like 30 whatever years of teaching U.S. history, no one had ever done a report on Phyllis that was kind to her. And I was the only person who had ever talked about her as if she was like a good person. 
Because she was terrible. She's horrible. <laughs> but I feel like it goes to show that Mormons almost rewrite and remember their own history. So like the lies that were spread then and the support that the church really taught, uh, the support that the church gave to Phyllis and, and the movement still linger today. And Mormons only remember what the church talked about and not necessarily the real history. I mean, they have a lot of practice with that, you know, considering Joseph Smith's history and Brigham Young, you know, it's amazing how many people just don't know historical facts about them either. Well, and how they constantly rewrite their histories. Yeah. But I I just remember mom saying how Phyllis um, pointed out that if the Equal Rights Amendment passed, we would it would be illegal to have parking spaces for pregnant women. Like, that was the whole reason to oppose equal rights. I mean, it's yeah. just incredible. Uh, it it's also shows how, I think, strong fear is. Because they were using these fear of random things, anything that they could come across as gendered, and using that as a fear tactic to, to spread opposition to the, to the amendment. When the amendment had nothing to do with pregnant uh, parking spots or gendered restrooms or anything like that. You know, and we see that later too with the um, with, when it comes to gay marriage. How you know, if if gay marriage is passed, then temples will have to be open to everyone, even whether or not you have a recommend. And gay people will have to be married in the temple, and obviously that hasn't happened. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's the same kind of rhetoric. Another one of the big Mormon heroes that I that I've heard a lot about is Ronald Reagan. They love and Reagan. He he's honestly spoken as a hero much like joseph smith and uh the jesus christ of latter-day saints (laughs) ronald reagan on the right hand of joseph smith on the right hand of god that's yeah it makes sense yeah yeah right it all started when he invited the mormon tabernacle choir to sing at his inauguration and he called them america's choir and mormons just swooned and have worshipped him ever since I think that Mormons love how he lowered the taxes. And uh, I think to this day, Mormons still talk about trickle-down economics as a good thing, even though it's been proven not to work. And I remember at BYU having this talk in um, our economics class where our teacher literally had to say, it does not work, and students were disagreeing with him. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, there, There's a doctrinal reason for taxes. So in the Book of Mormon... There's this King Noah. So he's this this king of the righteous people, the Nephites. They're the the righteous ones normally, but he's this like wicked king. And the one of the main reasons he's wicked, like they, they point this out in the scriptures, and I'm quoting, he laid a tax of one-fifth part of all they possessed. Mosiah 11.3 for Book of Mormon nerds. And so he's I can't believe you know that. That's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> because he taxes them 20%. He's an evil king. I mean, he does other things too, but he like not follow God or whatever, but that's like called out specifically. Another reason that Mormons love Ronald Reagan is because they both are against homosexuals. Ronald Reagan ignored the AIDS crisis and completely underfunded the AIDS research needed to to help save lives. His inaction led to widespread of the widespread of HIV and a huge stigma placed over the gay community. 
90,000 people died of AIDS during the Reagan administration. I, I, I get so upset when Mormons hero worship him. He is an evil man. Ronald fucking Reagan. Yeah, well, more than 200,000 people have died of the coronavirus. Oh, You're right. <sighs> You're right. But in the end, the AIDS pandemic has taken millions of lives. It's so yeah, sad. And, and I, I didn't mean that to downplay. Sorry. I didn't mean that to downplay <laughs> the AIDS administration, the, the AIDS pandemic. I'm just saying it, it still continues today. What do they have in common, Reagan and Trump? Well, I think one's a reincarnation of the other. <laughs> They're both Republicans. And aren't they both still alive? I don't know. No. Reagan is dead. <laughs> Maybe Trump too. <laughs> oh, okay. Cut that. Sorry, it's not funny. It's not funny to laugh about Trump dying. Yeah, I just, you know, at BYU, I had people say the most terrible things, and I won't repeat them, but just linking gay people and AIDS as like that was their punishment for you know in the same way that i would hear sometimes and i don't know if this may need to be cut but people would sometimes say that jewish people deserve the holocaust in the same reason they would say oh gay people deserve the aids crisis because you know they were unrighteous it's just hate yeah it's just hate and it's so sad too because we've lost an entire generation of gay mentors and a, a really a generation of uh, of gay men and it, to have them um celebrate that and say that it was justified is is really sick it's only justified to the extent that it it affects a population they disagree with you know if it affects the people that they if it affects them it's just a trial from god you know god's ways are mysterious i mean it it, it's not just the outward um hatred that's that's the problem like the the problem with ronald reagan was really that he um, refused to take the AIDS crisis seriously and do anything about it because he didn't want, because of its association with gay people and he didn't want to appear, um, you know, linked to that. So it's like the inaction and um, standing by, like you, you don't have to be an outwardly evil person to commit evil. Yeah. You know, skip forward to the nineties. You've got Hawaii might legalize gay marriage, and all of a sudden the church kind of inserts itself and tries to say, "Oh, we don't want that." And so they try to like send this uh, Americus brief, I think it's called, whatever. I'm not a lawyer, but they try to like influence the courts. And in order to do that legitimately, they created this proclamation to the family in order to prove that. like their anti-homosexual rhetoric or anti-gay marriage was part of their doctrine. We, the First Presidency, and the Council of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, solemnly proclaim that marriage between a man and a woman woman, is ordained of God. Whoops, little Freudian slip there. Marriage is between a man and women? Oh, no, no, woman. (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) Marriage between man and woman is essential to his eternal plan. By divine design, fathers are to preside over their families in love and righteousness. 
and are responsible to provide the necessities of life and protection for their families. Mothers are primarily responsible for the nurture of their children. I saw this a lot when I was at BYU. Men had an enormous pressure to make money and provide for their families. And so they would major in business and other lucrative majors, right? That were clearly linked to jobs at the end of graduation. While women would stay away from those, completely do the opposite. And so they would focus on family history. They would focus on elementary education, um, whatever it was. If it was too career oriented, they you just didn't see a lot of women in that major. And I was uh, also in hiring. Now that I think about it, I was on like hiring committees where people would give more weight to a man if he had a family. So it's like, oh, he has to provide for his family. So he should be given the job over the single woman. I now pretty sure that's illegal, but I didn't think so. I didn't realize at the time. What drives me crazy about the proclamation to the world is the way that the church um, treats it like it's, you know, it's it's a legal document that served like a legal purpose. But the church had every member of the church hang it on their wall. And like, seriously, our family printed this on the nicest paper. It has the nicest frame of any artwork in the house. And it's been hanging on the wall. I don't think we as a family even believe it anymore. But it is still hung up in our family room, prominent for everyone to see. You're right. I don't think mom and dad completely agree with the politics of it anymore. They have a lot more nuance in their real life than that document would suggest, but still on the wall because that's what Mormons are supposed to do. So are we going to go replace it with our own and see how long it takes them to notice? (laughs) (laughs) I like that idea. I agree. We should do it. Operation Proclamation. We solemnly declare... That gender is a fluid, non-essential characteristic. (laughs) No, no, no. We solemnly declare that Shangela should have won the season three (laughs) All-Stars RuPaul Drag Race. (laughs) Suck it, Bendela. (laughs) 100% agreed. Agreed. So the most well-known thing the church did to fight gay marriage was during Prop 8. So I was at BYU in 2008 during the Proposition 8 campaign. For those of you who haven't heard about Prop 8, this was an amendment um, proposed in California. California had already legalized gay marriage but through the courts, but the legislature put a law on the ballots for people to vote on that would overturn gay marriage. And the church put everything into this campaign to try to pass Prop 8. I was in high school, so I didn't see as much of this as you did. What, what kind of things did they do? James, you were not in high school. Then. I was not in high school. I was on my mission. I got the time. You were in Argentina. I, I, was in Ar- I was out of the country. I just, I don't remember. I'm like, I wasn't here. I don't like, I wasn't at BYU for this. <laughs> But yeah, um, you were in high school, Andrew. I was in high school. I was like a senior in high school, and I and I do remember the church publicly saying that we had to um, defend Prop Eight or or whatever it was. But uh, I obviously stayed as far as away as I could. Being in Chicago, at least I was separated physically from that, and I, I just tried to 
to run the other way. So, okay, BYU, which is not in California, it's in Utah, was really like the campaign headquarters. They had these big booths and you could volunteer to sign up and they would literally bus BYU students over to California for the weekend to go knock on doors. They would pay for all that? Oh, yeah. Oh, they pumped so much money. And and also the in-kind donation of like volunteer hours. So it's like these BYU students were volunteering. They had these call centers. So they would have people like calling people in California to tell them how to vote. They organized like some of the missionary training center. And then they would they converted classrooms into call centers. And our ward had to supply, you know, a certain number of hours to this. So the bishop, my bishop asked me to man the call center. What did you say? Wait, did, yeah, did you do it? No, of course not. Oh, I said okay. no. I mean, I and I was vocal about this too. I I um I had editorials published in the newspaper. I participated in this project and I actually got interviewed by the Salt Lake Tribune. Like I was very vocal in fighting this. I I'm, I'm shocked I didn't get kicked out of school. Yeah, you really could have. I mean, imagine that getting kicked out of school for being like politically active. I it just it it was it was ridiculous, and uh, and then after Prop Eight passed, which was devastating, the church tried to pretend that they hadn't, you know, pre- that that it wasn't their fault. Um, but we, I mean, we were protesting, and um, I just remember there was this candlelight vigil right after the election. And when the rest of the liberals in most of the country were just celebrating Barack Obama, but we were just weeping over Prop 8, it, it meant that gay people in California who had been allowed to get married, their right was taken away. Automatic divorce or what? It, it, everything was kind of, that, that was a question. Um, what do we do with the people who already got married? And uh, ultimately it was taken to court and several years later the court overturned Prop 8. What's interesting about this situation with Prop 8, as well as the Equal Rights Amendment, is that you can really see how powerful the church is and how powerful it is about getting their members to be active in the political arena and and how their influence really did lead to... Are, are, are winning politically. Yeah, I mean, think about it. They tell you, they tell all of their members to hang a document on the wall and they all do it in the nicest frames. So, you know, if they tell you to go man a call center or get on a bus and go knock on doors in California or donate money, yeah, of course Mormons are going to do it. They'd like to do what they're told. For me, the biggest uh, Mormon political movement I remember is, you know, after I, I come back from my mission... Obama's president. I remember the Romney campaign. So he's obviously, you know, well-loved, still is well-loved among uh, Mormons. And one of the reasons that they loved him and still love him is because he is Mormon. And Mormons believe in a specific brand of prosperity gospel. It's just baked into their a lot of their doctrine. Prosperity gospel, prosperity doctrine is this belief that the more righteous you are, the more God will bless you with material riches. So, you know, Romney being rich is evidence of his righteousness. You can see this by how the leaders of the church are determined. 
And so when they are choosing a bishop, when they're choosing a mission president or whatever it may be, the wealth that they have is an is a factor and that the people chosen to be these mission presidents and bishops are often the most successful and wealthy members. And just because I'm on a Book of Mormon kick, I'll give them the Book of Mormon scripture. It says that uh, inasmuch as you shall keep my commandments, you shall prosper and shall be led to a land of promise. Yea, even a land of which I have prepared for you. And it's talking about America. Like, God it's not led. just one scripture too. Like this yeah, was this a one recurring example. theme from like the start to the end of the Book of Mormon. One of the biggest themes is this, you know, they talk about it as like the pride cycle, which is that when God's people are righteous, they get wealthy and the economy and the stock market go up, <laughs> the Nephite stock market. And then, and then they get then, prideful and turn Democrat and the stock market goes down. Yes. And once they become wicked and they start doing things like having taxes, then God punishes them. And so then they become poor. And when they're poor, they're humble. And so then they accept Jesus. And so then they become righteous and then they become rich again. It's trickle down economics. Or something exactly. like that. Well, I wouldn't say. Well, I, I don't think that's that critical. <laughs> yeah, that's somebody didn't take words. econ in high school <laughs> or college. I or... didn't need. I didn't need econ. I had the Book of Mormon. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but but the point is, Mitt Romney is a rich guy, and therefore, because he—I mean, not just a little rich—he's a lot of rich, and he's Mormon and righteous, and he's rich because he's righteous, and he's righteous because he's rich. Vote for him. <laughs> Do we know if he was ever bishop or anything? I feel like he would. Oh be... yes, yes, he yeah. was totally a bishop in Massachusetts. He talked about it, yeah. And wasn't he a mission? Was he a mission president? That I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. But uh, yeah. there are plenty of rich mission presidents to go around. I think he was a stake president. I don't think he was a mission president. In any yeah. event, he was definitely a leader within Mormonism and obviously in politics. But one of the things that was interesting, and I don't know how, I feel like I was sheltered from this a little bit, but since then I've I've gotten more involved in it. But for all the like prop- good propaganda that I was getting on Mormonism, there was also another side, which was the news organizations now suddenly looking into Mormonisms. And one of my favorite videos that I've seen since this election is when BBC interviewed one of the apostles, Jeffrey R. Holland. So the interviewer, and he's still an apostle, by the way. The interviewer, John Sweeney, he really did his homework because he asked him these like difficult questions. Let's talk about Mitt Romney. Okay. The man who may well become the most powerful man on earth. Mm-hmm. As a Mormon in the temple, I've been told, he would have sworn an oath to say that he would not pass on what happens in the temple lest he slit his throat. Is that true? That's not true. That's not true. But it is true. Romney would have made those promises when he was a young man, even though since they've been removed. We do not have penalties in the temple. Uh, John S- Sweeney, he actually pushes Holland on this and says, well... You used to. We used to. Therefore, he swore an oath saying, I will not tell anyone about the secrets here, lest I slip my throat. Holland has to admit, okay, yeah, sure, that's true. Did any of you guys see this when it aired? No, I did not. 
I, I do have a vague recollection of it. I don't know. I just felt sheltered from this. Um, probably because it was anti-Mormon. I don't know. I don't know how I didn't see this. We were watching Meet the Mormons instead. Yeah, what I do remember is that. I remember Meet the Mormons. I remember the I'm a Mormon campaign. And uh, really the church encouraging members to make profiles to say why they're a proud Mormon. And really encouraging members to to be political and to really share with the world or with the nation what it was like to be a Mormon and really help the Romney campaign. I think that most Mormons really felt like Romney by and by them extension were persecuted by the liberal media and that we had to really um, share how amazing we all were. Yeah, definitely. Anytime an interviewer was asking difficult questions about Mormonism, that's persecution. I mean, Mormons yeah. love to be persecuted. It's funny because it's like, how dare they ask about garments? But then like your, your, your Relief Society, average Relief Society or priesthood man will be ask you about garment. This is no big deal. Well, and it's like, how dare you talk about Romney's Mormonism? But meanwhile, we're going to go door to door to try to shove it down your throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you think most Mormons think about Trump? I don't know. I, I really think it's 50-50. I think you've got some that adore him, like Reagan. And, you know, and then I think you've got some who are offended because he said the word, word pussy. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think most I just think Mormons are more offended that Trump says the word pussy than by the fact that he demeans women. Although I, I feel like that happened more in the beginning when it was when Trump was new and it was still like the campaign process and everything. I think there was more Mormons against Trump. Now that now that we're gearing up for another election and everything, I think that Mormons now are more and more supportive of Trump and overlook his um, potty mouth or whatever it may be because Trump is being so good for their conservative um, judges and the conservative Supreme Court for uh, because of all of his stance on abortion, for his stance on all these conservative topics i think that more and more mormons are supporting trump and loving trump i i disagree you know i mean yes to some extent even romney backed trump with with uh supporting a new justice because a huge anti-abortion win but i think they're i, I think you're right for idaho and utah democrat uh, <laughs> democrats idaho and utah mormons but i think there's a fair amount of nevada and Arizona, Arizona Mormons and California Mormons who are, you know, supportive of Romney, but can't quite get there for Trump. I don't know. That's just my gut feeling. I'm not like basing this. on I'm not a politician or. Yeah, I'd be interested anything. to see what the if there was a Mormon poll who would come out on top. 538, you listening? <laughs> <laughs> We've talked a lot about how all Mormons are Republicans and how much they've done for the Republican Party. Well, not all Mormons. Don't forget about Harry Reid. I don't know her. He was the Democratic <laughs> senator from Nevada who was minority leader for years. The, so, you know, really the most powerful Mormon in politics for a long time. I think it's important to note, though, that Harry Reid was a Democrat before he was a Mormon. He's a convert. Yeah, that doesn't count then. 
in the name of Phyllis Schlafly. 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 Amen. Follow us on Instagram at Mormon Raised Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to Schlafly. <laughs> okay, follow. <clears throat> and don't forget to subscribe. The music in this episode is Anthem for the Good Life by Young Presidents, courtesy Shutterstock, Inc. Shaffley, Phyllis Shaffley, Phyllis Shaffley, Phyllis Shaffley, Phyllis Shaffley. I thought it was Scafferly. <laughs>